0: Last week, I promised I'd be back with some nuts and bolts of making good boundaries. You could almost say these things are the bricks and mortar you need to put up your walls and maybe even the spade you can use to start digging the moat. Here are my five top tools that will actually get you the boundaries you've been dying to have but didn't know how to make. Okay, so for tip number one, I'm going to start with the easiest one, and that's mostly for making a boundary with kids. No matter what the situation, if they're disrespecting you or clinging onto you or invading your privacy, you can use these magic words. This is not okay. It really is kind of magical because it makes a boundary instantly materialize. At the same time, it doesn't require any energy or any specific kind of emotion to pull it off, and it doesn't apply any judgment of the other person. You're not making a demand, like, stop that right now. And you're not accusing or belittling the other person, like, you're being awful, or there you go again. It's just a pure boundary. You can choose whether you want to stay there and see it out, or leave the room, and either is okay. It's the boundary that counts. You simply said, this whatever it is, is not okay. Truth be told, kids already know very well that what they're doing isn't right. They just want to see how you react to it. This is great because when you say this is not okay, they can't pretend to themselves that you've insulted them in return because you haven't. And you didn't get angry at them. You didn't. And you didn't like tattle on them to their dad and you didn't start to cry. You just conjured up a boundary where seconds earlier there had been empty space. It's magic. Of course, this is not okay. It can be used for anybody in any situation. But my second tip is specifically for making boundaries with the X, And as such, it really is work that has to be done by the dad. This is what I talked about in last week's episode. I think the co-parenting app is the most underrated tool in the stepfamily universe, mostly because people don't actually get how to use it. I've already heard from a few people who listened to the show last week, and they told me they couldn't believe they hadn't realized that they could make use of the timestamp feature or the send money feature right through the app, or that it could be so easy to get around Biomom saying she didn't want to use it. There's no excuse in this day and age for anyone enduring abusive phone calls or emails or getting text messages 50 times a day or being accused of not showing up at the pickup location or any of that crap. If those things are happening to you, stop doing that to yourself. You know, if someone stands outside your door ringing the bell and then hits you on the head when you look to see who's there, it's on you to stop opening the door or at least put on a good helmet. Listen to last week's episode, get onto a co-parenting app and tell me your life didn't just improve by 30 or 40%. You're welcome. My third tip for making better boundaries is also something that I've gone into in some detail in another episode, and that's trading expectations for agreements. It's so civilized It's so grounding. It's so not aggressive. You simply ask the other person if you could make an agreement about how to handle X, Y, or Z whenever it comes up. Could we make an agreement about how to handle Biomom's request to change the schedule? Could we come to an agreement about the food budget and who pays for what so that we both know what to expect? It doesn't imply that you actually want to call the shots. It's an invitation to make something clean, to look at all the options and decide together on one that works for both of you. Let's make an agreement so we're clear on what happens on Saturday mornings. Who gets up first, who's in charge of breakfast, who drives the kids to soccer, whatever. Sometimes it's easy to slide into things without even really noticing it, before you know it, you've taken on a job that you didn't actually want, or, or maybe that you just don't want anymore. Of course, agreements are a fantastic tool for dads to get better boundaries with their ex. Make an agreement. How many requests to schedule changes should each of you entertain? Should there be a limit? What happens if either of you passes the limit? Can we agree to keep track of requests? Maybe with a token system? Like when you've used up your tokens, you have to wait for the other person to give one back by making a request? Or maybe you can offer something in exchange to get a token back. Just start asking for an agreement instead of expecting or hoping or dreading or whatever you're doing now. And don't forget to make an agreement that you'll both keep your agreements. My fourth tool for making boundaries is particularly useful for dealing with that kind of person we commonly refer to as a narcissist. I know this term is getting tossed around on every street corner these days, and, you know, probably sounds like 90% of divorced people were married to a narcissist. But let's say that, for sure, many people display narcissistic tendencies. Actually, we all have narcissistic tendencies. We need them, in order to have a decent level of self-respect. But some people have built their personality around a need to be the centre of attention, or to not think too much about the struggles of other people, to thrive on drama, and to be entitled to pretty much whatever they want. When you're dealing with someone carrying a heavy load of narcissistic personality baggage, there's a great technique called the Grey Rock Method. Gray rock refers to the boring appearance of any old rock by the side of the road. Uninteresting, not standing out, nothing remarkable. The idea is to act like a gray rock. And you do that by not giving them anything at all that feeds their need to to trap you in a conversation or to sell you their story or to give them something to bug you about. You answer their questions politely, but in the minimum number of syllables. Uh Uh-huh. I suppose. Yeah. Sure. Not really. Avoid eye contact. No facial expressions if you can avoid them. Don't take the bait on anything. Don't laugh at their jokes. Don't tell any jokes. If you're old enough to remember the TV show Dragnet... There was that detective named Joe Friday. He used to say, just the facts, ma'am. That's the vibe. Just the facts. Cool, detached, not rude, just boring. This is the ideal way, by the way, for a stepmom to deal with a narcissistic type of bio mom personality. Get off the roller coaster of, "Oh, hi, so nice to see you." And then, "Oh, there's that bitch who stole my husband." Just Don't give her anything to remark on. A friendly wave or a nod and then bring a book or some knitting you can concentrate on. Don't look and don't care. The final tip I wanna dive into about making boundaries is something you can use in any kind of family, but it has special benefit in homes that are blending your kids and his kids. And this is the family meeting. I can't say enough about family meetings. They're almost essential in this kind of family because they solve the problem of boundaries between kids of two parents who find themselves living under the same roof and weirdly sharing each other's parents or avoiding each other's parents or however it goes. There are a few things that you absolutely have to know before you start something like this. First of all, if calling calling it a family meeting gives you the creeps, don't call it anything at all. Just start doing it. Secondly, it's important that you don't just convene all the kids and start lighting into them about what they've been doing or what you think they need to start doing. You have to get them used to this kind of meeting by starting off making only good things happen there, like praise, like allowance, like dessert. That's actually a pretty good summary of how to begin. Praise, allowance, dessert. Some families like to do that rose thorn bud thing. You know, what was the best part of your day today? What was the hardest thing you had to do today? What are you looking forward to tomorrow? That's a good way of just getting everyone into the family meeting vibe. Everyone gets a turn to speak. There's no interrupting the others. Wait your turn. No making fun of what anyone else says. That that sort of routine. Then, Ease the kids into the kind of things that they want to talk about, eventually, after a few meetings where you've set the tone. Start keeping a note somewhere that you or they can jot things down on that you can talk about all together, like having a later bedtime, or where to go on vacation, or whose bedroom is off limits to who else. When you've spent some weeks or even months preparing this playing field, then you can start introducing topics that you and your spouse want to get at, like making rules and setting consequences. Why is this rule a good idea? Do we need this rule? What should happen if the rule gets broken? You'll actually be very surprised that kids will dream up much more severe consequences for themselves than you would ever land on. And when the time comes to enforce it, well, it's much less of a problem because it was their suggestion. I have to add here that it's so important to arrive at a consensus as opposed to getting everyone to compromise. There's such a big difference. Compromise involves two or more people each giving something up and then looking around to see if what you gave up is more or less than what the others gave up. It's always about fairness and nobody's ever happy with it. Compromise The benefit of compromise is that it's quick and dirty. It's a good short-term answer to any not very important issue, like should we go to the park first or the store first. If you get outvoted on a compromise, it's probably not going to bother you too much. But when the ultimate name of the game is long-term relationships, you can't afford to have people who feel like they're always getting the short end of the stick. You need a system where everyone feels that they were heard and respected and everyone can live with the outcome, even if it takes a lot longer to arrive at that solution. The best way to get consensus is to propose a trial period of the solution with a firm date to review how it's going and to make any changes if necessary. That way, everyone knows that if their worst fears come true, they'll have a chance to say this or that isn't working for me. And then you can go back to the drawing board. Most of the time, everyone plays along because it's not in anyone's interest to lose what they just gained. The most amazing boundary that you get from working in this way is that nothing is your fault ever again. You're not the mean dad or the wicked stepmom, this was their idea. Of course, you can constantly tweak and refine and revisit the rules and consequences that the kids are basically making up for themselves and catch things that don't work. You can count on the kids themselves to let you know what someone else is getting away with or what they're still feeling resentful about, and if nothing else, it keeps them feeling heard and seen. Families who use this kind of regular meeting system will tell you that it's nothing short of a miracle. It takes practice, for sure. You have to learn how to lead meetings like this. And I have a video course on it if it's something you're really interested in doing a deep dive on. But anyone can learn to do it. So that's it for today. I really hope this was able to give you some idea of how to go about making boundaries. Like I said, if you're a people pleaser by nature, you're going to find it harder but it's also going to make much more impact on all the rest of your life. I mean, imagine how your professional life will skyrocket when you can stand in your own power and not let anyone push you around, not your boss, not your co-workers, not your clients or suppliers or the whole board of directors. It's a lifelong game, making good boundaries, and it's time to just start where you are and do what you can right now. Of course, there's not much point in having better boundaries if they're weak, if they just crumble every time they're tested. This is where you should go back to the last episode and remind yourself that getting intimate with your why, your big why, is probably the most important part of this process. That's why I make it one of the foundation pieces in my coaching work with dads. I help you get in touch with your strength the power that lives inside your why, it's no effort at all to hold your boundaries when you're in that place of your deepest convictions, your most important values, the exact things that you want your kids to know about you, the stuff you want them to get from you, and what you need to know that you're passing on to them. Besides your vintage Archie comics and your vinyl collection, it's not always easy to do this kind of digging around in your heart all by yourself. That's why you hire a coach to do it with you. And the bonus is getting the roadmap of what to do with it once you've figured out your why, getting the exact words you need to pass those things on to your kids and making sure that your ex can't ever get in the way of how your kids hear you. My clients think I'm pretty good at that. and I have to agree. If you want to know more about how I work and find out if I'm the right person to deliver what you need, reach out to me at info at essentialstepmom.com or go straight to my calendar and book a free chat at bit.ly slash calltracy all capital letters that's bit.ly slash calltracy all caps see you next week